Thank you so much for listening to series one of the Media Careers podcast. We've had such amazing feedback and it's been brilliant to hear how the advice and guidance from our guests has supported and inspired you so much. I also just wanted to flag the show notes to you again. There are direct contact links to our guests within them, as well as links to other companies and organisations who can support and guide you further. So please don't forget to check those out as well. And finally, I have one small favour to ask you. Please could you press the small button to either follow or subscribe to the podcast so we can reach even more people who can hear from these amazing media professionals. Thank you so much and I really hope you enjoy series two. Nikki Whittle started her career as a runner at ITV after undertaking an HND in film and television at college. She then moved on to Sky where she became a senior broadcast graphics producer. It's fair to say that Nikki's career has seen her work at some of the most innovative companies in the sector. She spent five years at DAZN, which is a live and on-demand sports streaming platform, before moving on to Disguise, a company which delivers live visual experiences. Her current role is at Move, where she is a business development director. Move is a leading virtual studio sports and events graphic company and is at the forefront of the industry in this field. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this work today. Nikki, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Hello. Uh, so Nikki, I'm really excited about talking to you today. You've worked in some incredible companies throughout your career. But as you know, with this podcast, we always start at the beginning and like to find out a bit about you when you were a young person, what your hobbies were, what your interests were, so we can see how they filter into your education and career at a later point. So would you like to tell us what were you like as a, a younger person? Uh, you'll be really surprised to know that I was actually very shy. Like my school reports in primary school all talk about how I was like frequently shy to adults, would not talk to them. But I loved puzzles. Like I, I remember I would spend a lot of time at my grandparents and they had this chest of just like mind brain teaser games and like stacking puzzles. Um, and I would spend every weekend just pulling out all the games playing around with them um I used to draw a lot so I used to really like art and crafts a weird game that I used to really play um was my gran used to have this jar of buttons that she used to save over the years like hundreds of buttons and I would just tip them out on the floor and rearrange them into sizes colors and I'd be there for hours um same with a jewelry box take out all so I think it was all very visual things that I used to love but then also that logic side problem solving so yeah I think I was I was very curious I used to break a lot of things because I'd like ornaments I'd want to like look at them all and usually break them um I used to put jam sandwiches into the VHS player I know. So I think we might need to stop you there. What you put jam sandwiches into the VHS player? Why were you doing that? Because I just <laughs> to see what happened. Okay. <laughs> but I, I would just anything that I could get my hands on, like gadget wise. I think my family, especially my mum's side, I had a lot of uncles, and they all were very gadgety. And so they'd have like the new technology. I mean, this is back in the eighties as well. So like we used to have like an Amiga computer and like CD players so anything I could get my hands on I would be trying to just figure out what I could do but also how far I could push it so I would break everything hence the jam sandwiches (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sure that didn't go down too well when they found out jam sandwiches. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I did get reputation for just breaking a lot of things. And I think also I was very stubbornly independent, which is still a trait that I think has taken me through now. But I always wanted to figure things out on my own and figure out like how things worked and like really resourceful. I loved learning. Like I would read everything. I'd read the back of shampoo bottles just because I liked words and understanding whatever I could. So I had this real thirst for knowledge, I think. And that's what like the curiosity side comes into it. Yeah, I got that's so interesting. And just quite a going back to the buttons as well, it's quite like an anal thing as well to want to kind of organize things and put them in sizes and and measure things out in that way it seems like you wanted to kind of as you said wanted to understand what was going on and to have and to everything have a place as well for you to figure yeah figure things out so did that feed into your education choices in terms of GCSEs and uh, what was that well, like for you kind of choosing your education so my my education took a bit of a turn um before I get into the GCSE part because I went from being this like really shy kid and then I got to secondary school okay. and it was very much at that point I went down the route of getting in with a popular crowd hanging out with like older boys it was a very small town so there was a lot of kind of hanging out in the parks hanging out in the streets because there wasn't anywhere to go so school kind of fell off so I was st- I still had this like thirst for knowledge and wanted to learn but also that wasn't cool so I kind of hid my inner geek and my schoolwork kind of fell off especially as I got older so leading up to the GCSE time I was kind of straddling these two worlds so I'm from like northeast Lincolnshire which quite often comes up on the list of like the more deprived areas like socially economically and I had one side of my family that was very stable, all labourers. So I think also in my environment, nobody ever went to further education. Like It was you finished school, you got a job in either with the men, it was mostly being plasterers, plumbers. And then the women around me would either be like homemakers or work in like just offices. And but that side was still very stable um, and nurturing. And then I had another side to my family, which was more on the darker path. Mm-hmm. And that opened me up to a lot of experiences that I was around. I never went down that path, I think because I had that stability, but I was around a lot of people that were getting into drugs. Again, I was I was in this crowd where further education wasn't a normal thing to do but in the back of my head I always for some reason I think from the age of 10 had been like I need to leave this town so I had that drive of I am getting out of this town and I'm having a career but then caught up in that mixture of trying to be one of the cool kids and like where does that take me and so I it always I always think back on those years of it could have gone a very different way for me either going down the worst case scenario path of like the drugs and everything but also just choosing to stay in my hometown because we weren't exposed to the world like it's at the end of a railway track um nobody 
comes and goes. Like through COVID, it had the lowest COVID rate because you only go to this town if you're going. So you wasn't mixed with culture that we didn't really travel because we didn't have the money to travel. So it would have been very easy for me to have just stayed in that town. Once I left school, like a lot of my friends just went into factory work. And again, I almost did that just to get the income. But then I was like, no, if I do this, I'm not going to go to college. I won't stick with it. Like I'll end up dropping out. So I was very much like, no, I need to go to college. And then so through school, again, I kind of sat in those worlds of luckily I was naturally able to pick things up very quickly and the subjects that I loved I would go all in so like English was my favorite because again I loved reading <laughs> but then on the other side I had classes that I was terrible at like maths I was very bad at maths um, and there were the last six months of school a lot of days that I didn't turn up mm-hmm. so and again I think because I could learn quickly I managed to scrape by my GCSEs and yeah. I had, near the age of 16, I had gone to college to look at what courses I could do. And at that time, I wanted to be a journalist. And for some reason, it still baffles me who made that decision, but they decided to build a media college in Grimsby uh, called East Coast Media. And it was a bit like your global academies and your Mulberries where it's a brand new facility focused on media, studios, cameras, radio station, all of that. And they were like, well, if you want to do journalism, part of the course is journalism. So you should come and do this course. Um, and and to get on that course, it was like ABC Media Studies and you need five GCSEs. So I was like, I just need to figure out how to get the five like A to Cs. <laughs> What's the best subjects that I'm good at? And then just, so I scraped by, I, I got enough I got I think like six or seven so I got enough but again if I hadn't had all those years of just I guess learning and being curious I could have not got those GCSEs and I don't know what would have happened then so I was very lucky in that sense but I did not take advantage of school like I should have. Well Nikki well thank you for sharing all of that I think that's such it's so important to hear hear your story and your you know how you navigated your your life and your education when you were at secondary school and I, yeah it really sounds to me that you've got such a good grounding when you were young at kind of primary school age as you said kind of exploring all of these different yeah. different things that were around you and breaking things and trying to fix things and putting jam sandwiches in that actually that gave you such a thirst for learning that you always had that and it was kind of almost like what one side is gonna is gonna win and actually luckily you know it it was the better path where you were able to kind of as you say scrape through your GCSEs and then go into college and then obviously the course of your life changed but it um yeah it sounds as though it could have been very different for you yeah again as I say it's you don't realize that world you're in until you escape it I say escape until you leave yeah I think it's a lot of seaside towns as well that they have this weird environment where it's like this picturesque town and you have tourism coming in but that's also the only income that is coming in and a lot of the seaside towns are remote villages which is hard to access and sit on those outskirts of like the government and where the money's going into so I saw a lot 
which is just building my resilience. And again, I think that's stubbornness because mm. I didn't fall in with the crowd. I would I would be in those situations, but I ended up being that person that actually would help my friends get home or they if they wanted to experiment with drugs, I would be like, I am not touching that, but I'm going to stay by to make sure that you are not going to end up in a dangerous situation so I think and again that having that stability on the other side was really important for me and also I think really it's my mum as well because my parents divorced when I was about nine and so then my mum was like a single mother with single income so again we didn't have a lot like I had a happy childhood um, but we just didn't have a lot she put herself back into college like the age of like she was early 30s so while I'm at school I see my mum coming home from college so she put herself back in as like an older student but I remember coming home and having these posters up on the wall of body parts that she'd drawn because she was doing like beauty therapy and there's a biology element of that Mm -hmm. so again around me very visual the indicators of so I was just I walk in the hallway and I'm like oh okay there's just this pictures of body parts and that's what that muscle is called and that's what that <laughs> muscle is called and so I think that learning side again probably it came from my mum and also when I did leave home she picked up and went off travel and worked on cruise ships for years so I also wonder if my need to get out of that town actually maybe came from her frustrations as well yeah um, but it is it's a unique environment because you have the picturesque seaside town and then you have this level of like poverty, I guess. And just, it's a very small world. You don't really, as I said before, you don't experience different cultures. You don't see anything. And like teenage pregnancy is high. And so my group of friends, by the time I was, well, my school friends, by the time I was early twenties, most of them had had babies Mm. and it's just that what because there's nothing else to do like you don't really see the opportunities or careers and when I did start to say like I'm gonna go leave I'm gonna get a career leave town and at that time it was a journalist I'm gonna go and be a journalist that was the same as saying I'm gonna go to Hollywood and be an A-list celebrity it just didn't happen so it's again those things of and I think this is why I love broadcast so much and like whenever you see me I'm just like I love my job it's because I'm amazed that I've actually done this because mm-hmm. I never was open to experiences when I was younger um and so that's why like I ask everybody's different stories and what they've experienced because it's just a whole different world that I've been exposed to yeah and what a journey you've had as well from those experiences as you say right through to now your position at me if it's you know it's amazing and all credit to you for as you say having the resilience and the strength of character to go after that dream to go after that Hollywood dream mm. and go actually no I want I want to have a career and I'm gonna do everything I can to 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 get that and to and to follow that yeah so but it sounds as though the new college was really important for you in terms of enabling that to happen so it was obviously yeah. like really good timing that this new college was there and that you were able to then go and studying yeah, I mean, TV and film the time and I always come back to this as well it's like the timing because that college now sadly Grimsby College is still there but that media college didn't it lasted a couple of years because it didn't have enough students uh, and it shut down uh, and so 
it was this pocket of time that literally changed my life and then now no longer exists. So again, it's those kind of like what could have been scenarios, but going to college completely switched everything because I was around a different crowd of people who actually were embracing further education. So I released my inner geek because <laughs> like that was cool now. And I very quickly moved away from that group from school and like that crowd that I was hanging around with because they just couldn't understand why I was wasting my time at college. Um, and it was like a decision I had to make of, I, if I want to take my future seriously, I need to kind of cut ties. Yeah, the college was amazing. It so it was ABC Media Studies, and we did journalism, we did radio, we did photography, uh, studio work, camera work, and that's actually where I then realised I preferred more of the technical stuff, and I really picked up editing software really quickly. Kind of then went down that path of like, actually, I want to be an editor. But they put on a trip for us to go to LA. And so that's the first time I ever traveled abroad. Went to LA, went to a studio set. Randomly, I met Kiefer Sutherland because we were walking down the street at about 10 o'clock at night and we come across this film set filming outside and we get talking to the security guard and he's like, oh, you're English. Do you want to come on set? And we're like, yeah. Um, and it was was a set of 24 so they were filming like on this street this big car explosion scene and so we got introduced to the director and he was like explaining everything that was happening and then it's like oh do you want to meet Kiefer Sutherland I at the time didn't know who Kiefer Sutherland was so (laughs) I'm like okay (laughs) my friends were like absolutely gobsmacked and then we meet Kiva Sutherland and is the typical thing of like, oh, where are you from in England, London? And we're like, no, Grimsby. And he's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and my friends are like silent because they're so starstruck. And it is me like yabbering on because I didn't know who <laughs> it was. But that's where like my confidence really came out because we had to get over shyness very quickly. And it was like, right, you need to go make a documentary. So I'm suddenly like filming documentaries of our local MPs and grabbing people on the street to do Vox Pops. We had to make a music video. I had to be in a music video, which those that video was never coming to light. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, do we get to see that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't even think I have it anymore. But it then, and also like the tutors were from out of town and you just started to hear these stories about the TV industry. So I was like, right, this is, this is what I'm doing now. Like I'm going to get a career in TV apparently still kind of wanted that Hollywood dream I wanted to be an editor in LA for films because again I didn't really understand the opportunities with TV yeah but I definitely knew like I wanted to do something around editing or technology and be in that world so yeah the the college part for me was really important to kind of focus me and go no this is your career now head down Um, and I just embraced everything but also it was really really fun because you're not sat in lectures, you're sat making things. Um, and again, I guess it goes back to like the problem solving and like the craft stuff that you like, we were making things and breaking equipment, which is what I'm really good at. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, Nikki, it seems so significant that decision to, as you say, cut away from your friendship group from school and 
follow what you were passionate about and what you were interested in and, and opened up so many doors in terms of what the possible could be where your career might go what you might do it could be journalism could be editing could be just that kind of opportunity that it gave you so you finished college what are your next steps after you finished that course because that was further education and then it was I'd planned to go to university so I was like and again I was like this is my opportunity to get out of town <laughs> so I was like yeah. going to university and I was accepted to a couple of unis but then when I went to visit them it was very much like for the first year you do theory in camera and then the second year you get to use a camera and I'm like I can use a camera I, I spent like two years like understanding camera work and like I've made documentaries so it was more the fact of the choice was do I go to university and go back to square one of everything that I've done or do I stay on for another two years at my college and do a HND in TV film and video um, mm-hmm. and focus more on that editor like editorial the editor editing side of things and again still focus on that technology around production so I stayed on to do couple more years at Grimsby College um, as a HND. Yeah, it was an interesting choice, I think, to choose not to go to university. And it's not, I don't regret it at all, because again, the practical experience I got from that, but I do recognise that there's this whole world of university that I missed out on. Mm. But I think for what I wanted to do it was the right choice to not go and actually just focus on that practical side of things and try to get into the industry quicker because also at that point media was really popular it was starting to get popular so it was now's the time to try and get in so that's why I decided to I like the H&D I thought was going to give me more practical skills to get me through the door better mm-hmm. than a university degree yeah okay and that H&D was for how long? For two years? Yeah. So I think I think I was around 20 when I graduated. Okay. And then it was a case of like, right, okay, now how do I get into the industry? So I just mm. applied for everything. <clears throat> and I was very aware as well that I needed to start at the bottom because we were told that. And I, funny enough, some of my college friends, they were trying to kind of go straight in at like director's assistants and everything else and I I recognize that you're not going to get in that way like you need to get go into like an entry-level role somewhere and then work your way up. So Nikki were you looking locally at that point for a new entr- a new entrance job? Uh, no because there was nothing in that area I knew mm-hmm. for me to get into media I had to leave the town okay. um, so I was just applying for like Manchester, London, and also at that point, I was working in a bar. So I'd had, had a side job as a barmaid. And again, for a while, I was I was just getting no's back. And another one of those kind of crossroads of one of my friends was starting a typing course because she was going to get into secretary work. And I was like, well, maybe I should just do that because I'm not getting anything out of this. And it was actually my mum that was like, you've got this far. Like, do you really want to? Because it, it, that typical thing of if you go down that path, it's going to be very comfortable and you're not going to push yourself. So I would hold off for now. Mm. Um, and then lo and behold, mm. I got a job interview at Granada Studios. And that one was for a production runner. No, a technical runner. So I'm like, right, I have to get to Manchester. 
and again I I didn't really have any money so I'm like how the hell do I get to Manchester like we didn't have a car or anything so I had to get my one of my uncles to drive me and have the interview and I remember just the interview was just it went on over an hour of just talking which we all know I'm very good at um, <laughs> but I actually didn't get that job and then so that was a no and then about two weeks later they called me up and was like we've got a production runner role that we think you'll be good for however you can have the role if you can start in two weeks so I had two weeks so bear in mind I have stayed in this small town my whole life never really traveled and hadn't lived away from home and then it like 20 years old it's like right I've got two weeks to get to Manchester and also like if I don't say yes to this as scary as it is I am possibly not going to get another chance like this luckily the runner role was a permanent role so it was like a permanent income it wasn't you had a job yes basically Mm, yeah but yeah so that was like me having to grow up very quickly yeah (laughs) And then go live in this house share in Manchester and, yeah, I was a runner. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Like, I still look back at my running days and I, again, I think I was just so amazed it was happening mm-hmm. that I embraced everything and just my job was from getting milk in the morning to going and getting tapes back in the day when it was like physical tapes I had to go to the tape library and because it was for CITV so it was kids tv okay. answering fan mail to Spongebob um <laughs> I'd sit with the editors and I'd have to because they would make a lot of promos and so they'd be like right we need to find some shots of like Spongebob high-fiving or the brats like cheering and so a lot of my job was just watching cartoons which was brilliant <laughs> but I was around these amazing people in Granada Studios who were all willing to teach me as well. So I would sit with every role and shadow them because I was like, what are you doing? I need to understand all of this. That's um, for knowledge again. Yeah. And for learning. it was amazing. And again, like when I look back, I'm like, absolutely insane. But I still put that down to it's one of those things of like embracing the opportunity because nothing changes if you don't just jump at the chance so I would have ended up probably again still being in Cleethorpes or Cleethorpes Grimsby amazing to think that I actually did that but totally worth it yeah goodness you've had some really significant moments where the the pathways could have gone so differently and and two weeks is no time to kind of turn around your life and unpack everything and and move across the country and start a new job that's a huge thing but then it also happened again with London because... Go on, tell that, us about that. Yeah, so after a year, that role was cut. So they had some cuts at CITV. And again, I had to make that decision of, like, do I stay in Manchester? And I didn't have any savings to fall back on. So it was like, if I stay in Manchester, I've got to get any job, which isn't necessarily in TV. Or do I go back home and kind of reset? So I decided to reset. So I I had to move back, but I was only there for like a couple of months because I, again, applying for everything. I I think because I had CITV, like that bit of experience, it was easier the second time around to have some interviews. But then I got an interview for Sky Sports and that was like down in London. And at first I was like, 
I don't want to move to London. Like I prefer to be in the North. Don't like sports. <laughs> but was, again, it's that thing of you've got to go. Like it's an opportunity. It doesn't come up often. So you're just going to have to go for it. See what happens. And maybe because I wasn't so invested in it, I performed better in the interview. I don't know. But again, it was a, all right, now I've got to get a train down to London, which I've never been to. And then and pack your stuff up again and move to another city. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I got that job. And it, another thing I'm like, how did I get that job? Because I don't like sport. But, <laughs> like I knew enough about football to get by, but that was it. And they're like, do you like cricket? I'm like, love cricket. Yeah, I can, I can edit highlights for cricket, sure. And I actually, a few years later, asked the manager why he hired me because it came down to like three people. They made three hires. And I apparently was the wild card uh-huh. because the reason why he decided to hire me was because I was curious and I was asking questions and I was talking about like the technical stuff that they used. And so rather than being that traditional Sky Sports person that's like just, I love sports, I was coming from a different angle and that was how I stood out with everybody because it was like, well, we don't know about our sports knowledge, but she seems to be able to learn and she could help on the technical side. Um, Mm. So yeah, again, it was a, all right, you've got the job, you've got a month to move down to London and I had to figure it out all over again. Um, Wow. Yeah. That's That's a really big move, isn't it? I love that you were just following where the opportunity was taking you and trusting your instinct as well going this feels right as you said I'm not gonna I might not have this chance again so I'm gonna grasp the opportunity run with it make the most of it embrace it and see and see what happens and and not many people do that Nikki I don't think so I think you're quite unique like that to be able to have the inner confidence even though you might not have felt confident but to have the inner confidence to go okay I, I can do this I can I can yeah I think I've always just had it. it I've always had it in my head of like whatever happens I can figure it out like there's it's never the worst case scenario like I'm the chance I've took of like there's been a level of I'm able to do this and then the rest of it is I've figured other things out in the past and I think as and throughout my career I've had so many of those opportunities of where it's terrified me but I've said yes and then it's like propelled my career further Mm. and I always when I get those moments of like oh my god can I do this this is terrifying I look back on all of the other times where I've done it and it's like and you just build that resilience up of it's never the worst case and especially if you've got people around you like what is the worst that can happen as long as you take a chance and you can regret it more by not taking that chance yeah totally and did you once you were at Sky and Sky Sports did you start to think about where your career might go had you had you even thought about that at that point because but by this point in your career you you're going where, where the opportunity lies but once you got to Sky because Sky is such an amazing company and huge mm. did you then start to think okay maybe I've got a bit of a moment here to think about where I want my career to go did that ever cross your mind no, at that point I think throughout my career and I think this is why my career is zigzagged a lot is I've just followed what interests me and yeah. I I guess I see that there's so many different roles and so many different ways to climb the ladder that that never concerned me like I knew I would climb the ladder but I never had like by this age I want to be a director or by this age I want to be this level it was more what's the environment I'm in I'm enjoying it what are the next steps within this area do I want to do it maybe and so when I was at Sky I was 
at first in like the galleries and I was editing live highlights. And so the natural steps would be to go on to being a director or a producer. But then I fell in love with graphics because they got a graphic software at the time called Clarity and nobody knew how to use it. And so I was like, well, I'll learn it. I've always like liked graphics and I could use like Adobe Photoshop and everything. And then that kind of became like my niche of, well, Nick is taking care of the graphics now. And that then took me into the graphics development team. So that again, it's like, well, I can stay in production and go the director route, or I can go into this graphic development team who are building touch screens. That seems more fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go that way. And again, like these levels of learning that I've had to have with every single role, like the first one into Sky, I had to learn how to edit in a completely different way and also learn sports very quickly. <laughs> um, and then in the graphic development team, I had to learn to code to build touchscreens and managed it. But Were you time- doing that on the job, Nikki? Were you learning yeah. to code yeah. on the job? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't something you had to then quickly do at home to kind of... No, no, no. no. It, so I was You had those to... space to be able to do that. Yeah, mm. I wasn't... My role wasn't supposed to be coding. It was supposed to just be building the graphics. But the guy who was doing the coding left and they were like, right, you've got to figure this out. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> how on earth do I learn how to code? And so what I would do is go, okay, so I know that this scene on the touchscreen, if you press a football badge, it brings in a team... And then if you press this player, it will do this. So I'll take that code and put it into my scene. So I was just for a while stealing parts of code and trying to just glue it together with the little bit of code that I knew how to do. <laughs> managed, managed to do it. Um, but even then it was like, okay, so I'm in this graphics development team. Where do I climb the ladder here? Like, where can I go? It was more still, I still didn't have this end. This is where I want to be. And then actually, I just saw a job come up at DAZN, and that was to manage a design team at the time. And again, I was like, well, I've not been a line manager. This seems interesting. So I'll apply for that role. And so, yeah, then I'm at DAZN managing a team of motion designers. Again, not a, a craft that I have, so I have to figure that out pretty quickly. I mean, I didn't need to be an expert in it because I was line managing, but I needed to understand what they were doing. and then. That led on to me taking over the live graphics for DAZN. And that, again, is where me saying yes to an opportunity of going to South America to help with a joint venture um, for Comnibol. And again, that was me being terrified of like, can I do this? Because this is more technical. And we had to, because it was like an RFP process, and we had to go to South America to look at production hubs who were bidding for this RFP of like who could technically deliver the graphics at a remote hub and so again I'm like well I'm not technical I'm not an engineer like I don't know if I could do this but if I don't do this I'm going to be overlooked for future opportunities so I'm just saying yes and I will figure it out and then went there and then lo and behold it wasn't as scary as it turned out to be it was within my knowledge and we then was like we picked a remote hub and then I got sent back out to support the launch and like work with that team who mostly didn't speak English so I had one translator having to get them to air for the launch of Comnibol and again it's like 
those situations you're like I'm in South America like I never thought that this would happen and I'm leading this implementation of graphics and they're all looking to me to make sure they get to air and but if you'd have asked me that at the time if like this is what you've got to do can you do it I was like no (laughs) (laughs) when I was out there it's like you you just have to figure it out and I think the thing that I've learned about all the different roles I've been around and all the intimidating scenarios is everybody is winging it but everybody is making it up as they go along just some people can talk technically more than others but they that imposter syndrome that everybody experiences I'm like everybody experiences that so sometimes it's just ignoring that voice and again going if you don't take these opportunities nothing changes I think that's such I think that's such wise advice and again having the confidence to go no I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this and just go right I'm grasping this opportunity and it's really clear that you've done that throughout your career and the impact and change that it has had on you and your career and your trajectory and and as you say the opportunities that it's given you I think is is amazing Nikki and what an opportunity to be in South America leading that team and just you must have had a real moment of going oh my goodness look at what I've achieved this is incredible just to just to be there and to have got to kind of knock through that imposter feeling and going, oh, actually, no, I do know what I'm talking about and I can lead this team and I can make this happen. What an incredible moment for you. Yeah, it's, and again, it's one of those things when I look back of like where I came from and, you know, that that journey song of like a small town girl gets a train to anywhere. I'm always like, that's I'm familiar with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's pretty much me, just literally left town and then just figuring it out but no it's back to the career thing I've never just had a role in mind I've just as long as I'm learning and in an environment I enjoy and I think what I enjoy and it's actually when you pointed out that the companies I've been at have all been about innovation yeah they really have I I love that everything is being challenged and is fast moving like that is the pace that I work at that's the pace that I love like I like the pressure I like like challenging the status quo and looking at like okay we've hit this but then where can we go next and what new technology is coming out and where is the industry going and so I think whatever roles I choose to go to is as long as it's ingrained in that I can still learn that I'm challenged that I am still progressing I'm pretty happy I think and maybe because I haven't had a certain role in my head I've had the freedom to just jump around and see what works for me. Mm. And it just shows that you don't have to have this straight path upwards. You can zigzag and still go upwards, but find what you love. And that's where I think in every single role, everyone's been like, you just seem to love your job. And it's like, I do, I love broadcast. I love my job because every day I am problem solving and learning and just around this exciting environment that is amazing. Yeah. And Nikki, what a special thing to have as well, because I think there aren't many people that do that. I think a lot of people go, I'm in position A, I want to get to position B to then position C. But actually not having those restrictions on you and to follow what interests you and what excites you and working in those fast dynamic environments. I mean, what an amazing thing to do. And as as you say, as long as it's making you happy, then what better place can you be? Because I think sometimes people put too much pressure on themselves to 
kind of climb a la- climb a ladder, some sort mm-hmm. of ladder. But actually not having that, as you say, is giving you so much freedom to work in lots of different dynamic companies and environments. And as you say, with lots of different technology, I think that sounds like a, a splendid place to be. <laughs> so tell us about your current role at Move then. Tell us a little bit about that and what it involves. So I joined Move in January time and I'd, I'd, I know Move. Like I'd been aware of Move for a while. And funny enough, when I was at my role at Disguise and I was at IBC, last year speaking to the owner Nev he'd said that if you were ever thinking of leaving let us know so I had that relationship with them anyway but the choice to go to move it just fits a lot with like my values the culture that I want to work in and but also because it's got the foot in both doors of traditional broadcast graphics which is like my background but then the virtual studio side and like unreal which is the side that I've been like more involved when I was like at disguise and that side that I love as well so it's like a blending of two of the worlds that I didn't want to leave mm-hmm. and then back into like the production services side and so my role is business development director and what's interesting is I have always shied away from the business development role I've had companies approach me many times I think because I I'm very good at networking and I like people and like relationships, but I always associated business development with sales. And I was like, I don't want to be a salesperson. And I thought it would take me too far away from the elements that I love of like the workflows and the technology. But then we, well, we kind of came up with my job first <laughs> of what my responses were. And then the title came. So actually I've learned that business development is a broad scope of anything. Like, there doesn't seem to be a traditional set rule book for what business development is and my role is there is an element of the sales side and like building up relationships and building up partnerships but also looking internally at the company and like what services do we do and where can we push this and what do we need to be able to push this and like what new technology do we need to be investing in and learning and training so I'm still being able to be part of the solutions and the workflows yes it's not my day-to-day job I, I'm not hands-on anymore but I'm still in that environment that I love but actually now I'm part of the decision making which is exciting in its own way and I'm part of the business growth which is a, again a massive learning curve for me but I'm understanding how a business runs and I remember saying uh, that like I want to learn how to run a business I don't want to run my own business I want to run somebody else's. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so now I'm, I'm having access to like the owners of the company, and I'm getting to see how businesses work, how they run, and the considerations that you have to think about if you're going. You know what? We're going to invest in this technology. It's very easy to say we should be doing this, but actually, what is the implication around it? Like you have to do SWOT analysis and understand like the resource around that. So it's still an element of problem solving um so yeah it's a really interesting role and but it's really a hard one to define because it's a bit of everything which actually fits me really well yeah. um so again I love it and every day is completely different because you just get these ideas thrown at you and especially <laughs> from clients because we do game shows and we do sports studios and we're working with like cutting edge technology. So we'll have like 
a production company go, we want to do this game show idea using mocap suits and this idea and this idea. Is that possible? And you're kind of like, is it? I don't know. (laughs) So we have to go and look at that. So, yeah, it's a really interesting role. And probably I shouldn't have shied away from the business development term. (laughs) But, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, and I think you're learning still, right? It sounds like you're learning to have this vertical again and you're absorbing all of this information, working in, as you say, the cutting edge of technologies, but working with clients, but still kind of in that graphics arena as well. It seems as though it's pulling in all the things that you love about the industry and where your passions and interests lie as well. Amazing. So Nikki, we're coming we're coming to the end of the podcast, but before before you leave us, I'd love to know what advice you have for anyone who is looking to get a job in the industry, who might be interested in graphics or might just want to get into the industry more broadly. And particularly if we're thinking about people that might have come from an environment like you did in a small village somewhere on a, on, on the coast of the UK, how, how do they get into the industry and what, what's your recommendations for them? I mean, I would recommend building a network um, and because uh, you can do that before you even get into the industry. Like just learn what the roles are and then hit LinkedIn and just find people in those roles because everybody in the industry loves talking about themselves and talking about their roles. And more often than not, everybody is passionate about early careers and are happy to connect you with other people. So definitely building a network. And I mean, even throughout your career, like that has really helped me in the recent years with like rise and everything else like that network has just been a lifeline to me and just where you can like shadow work experience anything as long as you're curious most people are willing to give you that time and then also if you are going to university or to college and you do go for those interviews just remember that especially for entry-level roles we're not expecting you to know everything like we don't want to know it all. We're looking for attitude and like work ethic and curiosity and like can can I teach these people? So it's understanding, like be humble, be curious. When you do enter the workforce, yes, you've probably been learning in the latest softwares and the latest technologies. And you enter the industry thinking you know everything, because that's what I did with editing. I was like, oh, I can edit on this stuff. But actually every company is different and there's different technology. So going with the attitude of, I'm not going to know it. I'm going to have to learn and just ask for help as well. Thank you so much, Nikki. It's been amazing having you on the podcast today. Good luck with your future adventures and ventures, wherever they may take you. And we look forward to seeing where your career goes next. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 